So this morning I was driving over to the church about 6 a.m. I get here early just to clear my mind and whenever I drive in the morning I don't turn the radio on, I don't have the news or music, I just, I like the quiet and honestly the last couple days there's just been some tension I don't really know why but so I just needed some quiet and I'm, I'm driving down 164 and I get to that, there's like a bar, I think it's called Pleasant Hills, anyway irrelevant. I turn left. I like to go the back way because of the trees. And I'm, I'm coming up over the hill and I, I look over and I see the marsh, this marsh, and there's trees and this, this mist. And I was just filled with this sense of awareness of God's presence. The scriptures remind us that all of creation declares the glory of God. And so as I was just driving and, and noticing I was reminded of Psalm 118, in which the psalmist writes, Today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will choose today, regardless of circumstance, to rejoice and be glad in it. So today, as I'm with you, I'm rejoicing, I'm I'm grateful, I'm filled with gratitude for a lot of things, gratitude for you. I'm filled with gratitude for the members of our church, which is a perfect segue into my announcement that I need to make. On August 13th, which is a Sunday, we do have our annual membership meeting. Uh, This happens once a year. If you are an official member of Northbrook, it is one of the things you commit to, to being a part of this meeting. Uh, At that meeting, we do vote on our annual budget. Uh, We do uh, offer a lot of financial transparency. So all of the budget documents are in the lobby. You can grab those on your way out if you like. We are going to serve you lunch. we got cousin subs coming because nobody wants to vote on an empty stomach. That meeting is going to be at right after the 10.30 worship gathering right here in the sanctuary. I'm going to share some things God's put on my heart for the coming year, so I hope that you will join us for that. Uh, Please mark your calendar. And as always, if you're out of town, there will be a Zoom option that you can log into uh, from wherever you are and be a part of the meeting and vote that way if you are a member. Today uh, is our stay and eat weekend. Uh, We've got pancakes uh, happening just outside. And we don't do this just so you can get free food, right? Our our hope is that you'll stay a while and connect. Last night, we we did brats, and uh, I was so encouraged to to just walk around, and I constantly heard people say, hey, Mike, you told us to meet someone new, so we met these people for the first time, and so we're getting to hang out with them, so that that was encouraging. And I heard that we do have, I think, unless 8 o'clock ate them all, we have some brats left over, so we did warm them up so you, you can make a Wisconsin pig in the blanket. Roll that thing in a pancake, put some syrup on it. Glory. It's good. Uh, so please stay and meet somebody. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, today we're going to turn in the New Testament to the book of First Samuel chapter 3. We are in a series called True Story in which we're working our way through some of the major stories of the Old Testament. So if you'd pause with me for just a moment as we just open our hearts to receive whatever it is that God wants to say to us this morning. I am grateful. Today is the day you have made. There'll never be one like it again. Today is the day you have made, and I choose 
this day to rejoice and be glad in it. Tomorrow is gone. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not promised. What we have is right now. I'm grateful for right now. I'm grateful to be with my church family. Now as we open up the scriptures, would you give us ears to hear, a heart to receive and respond to whatever it is that you're saying through your word. Amen. I was at a fast food restaurant and as I was placing my order, the cashier was looking at me with curiosity. Eventually they said, hey, are you the pastor of Northbrook Church? I said, yeah, I am. And he said, well, I I didn't recognize your face, but I did recognize your voice because I listened to the podcast online. I think most of us long to hear the voice of one we have not seen with our physical eyes. There is this longing in most people I know that are following Christ to hear the voice of God in a way that is real and profound. And yet if you're like me, it seems like there is often this disruption, maybe even in static, between between the one speaking, the source, and the receiver. When I was a kid, my favorite day of the week was Saturday for a couple of reasons. I mean, the first reason was there was no school. The second reason I loved Saturday as a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s was it was the only time we got cartoons. Because remember, this is the time before uh, smart TVs and internet connections and Hulu and Netflix. It was Saturday morning cartoons. That was, a, that was your one shot. And so I would get up early, go down into our family room, and we had in our family room one of these babies. I mean, there's, there was no f- flat screen TV. I mean, this was, this was the model. And I would go downstairs, and if you were like me, you know if you had one of these, you'd turn it on and you'd have to wait for it to warm up. Because it didn't just turn on right away. It never did. You just kind of wait patiently, and all oh, you knew it would come on eventually. And you'd wait, and you'd wait, make sure it's plugged in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it works. It's on. And it would start to come, and there'd be some static, and then you'd pick your channel. No remote. Remember, you, you just, there was 10 channels. Well, this one has, well, this one has 13. And you'd look for your cartoon channel, and if you couldn't get the reception, you'd get with the, and you would hope if you moved it just right, that the static would go away and Bugs Bunny would appear. Oh, how often do I pray asking for God to speak and it seems as though I'm met with static from heaven. No response. So I try to change the channel. Oh, maybe... Nope. It can really be 
Frust- Remember the white dot? <laughs> Classic. Just like I would position the rabbit ears to receive a signal. I wonder, is it possible that we can position ourselves to hear God speak, to hear the voice of God? To consider that question, I want us to turn today to a story found in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's a story of a young boy who becomes a prophet because he positions himself to hear God's word. Now, to set the context, we have to go back a couple of chapters uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm not, not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to summarize it. But it begins with, uh, with a man named Elkanah. Elkanah and his family, um, and his wife actually has two wives. It's more of a thruple. He has a wife named Hannah and a wife named Paniah. The difference between Hannah and Paniah is that Paniah is giving birth to children while Hannah is barren. She can't conceive children, which in the days of the Old Testament was catastrophic for a woman. Each year, Elkanah, as was Jewish custom, would take his two wives and his children to the temple where Eli was the priest and offer a sacrifice before God and then would return home. In verse 6, we read that because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, Her rival, the other wife, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Which really is the wrong thing to say. As a family who has gone through infertility, I know. If I were to said to my wife, aren't I worth more to you than ten children? I would have got a left hook. Right? That, that is not what you say. So year after year, they go to the temple. One year, the story says they go up, and Hannah is in distress because she has this desire in her heart. Have you ever wanted something so badly that you knelt before God and you just wept. God, please answer my prayers. Hannah is at the temple and she's, she's weeping and she's kneeling and she's praying. And the priest Eli is looking on. And we read in verse 12 that as she keeps on praying to the Lord, Eli, the priest, observes her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great need and anguish and grief. And Eli said to her, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. The story goes on that she goes home. She conceives a child, names him Samuel, and then a couple of years later, she brings him back to the same temple where Eli is the priest, and she leaves him there. She says, I'm going to name him Samuel because God has given him to me, and I'm going to leave him there, and he's going to minister before God. He's going to serve in the temple all of his life. And then the story goes on, and Hannah continues to have more and more children. But Samuel, because he's dedicated to God, stays and ministers at the temple. 
That's where we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. In other words, God was not speaking. The word rare can also be translated as precious. The word of the Lord was precious. People desired it desperately, but it seemed as though God were not speaking. What we'll see later in the story is that it seems as though God were not speaking because of the wickedness of Eli's sons, who were also priests in the temple, living a life of of debauchery. They were making light of the covenant relationship with God. And yet, what we also discover from this story is that you are a spiritual being. We all are. We're spiritual beings created for relationship and connection with God at the deepest of levels. Now, what I know about relationships, that's actually a few things I know about relationships, but what I first know about relationships is relationships grow in presence and proximity. You can only have a growing relationship with someone whom you spend time with, in their presence and in their proximity. I spent about 10 years in, in Colorado, and while I was there, I developed a friendship with this guy, great, great guy, just Loved him. We did everything together. He was my my best friend. When I moved here to Wisconsin, we made well-intentioned promises to stay in touch, as many of us do. Oh, when it started off okay, he would we would call each other on occasion. They even came out here to visit us. We went and visited them. But as the years rolled on, because of the lack of proximity, the relationship kind of just ended. I haven't talked to him in probably five years. Oh, if I saw him, it'd probably be fine. We'd probably pick up right out where we left off, but I don't really have a relationship with him anymore. Not because of anything that happened, but because of location, proximity, and presence. There is a sacredness about our proximity to God. See, God is described as omnipresent. He's everywhere. So God hasn't gone anywhere. The proximity I'm talking about is our ability to notice the God who's always there. The ability to have a clear enough vision and heart to see the God that's all around. And yet I fear we've reshaped our capacity to notice. We've reshaped our capacity to see. We've reshaped our capacity to to pay attention. And I would argue that we've reshaped our capacity to see to the size of the screen on our phones. Last week, I was at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And yes, it was hot. Really hot. And because it was hot, we were constantly looking for rides and attractions that were air-conditioned. One ride called the Carousel of Progress, which has been at Disney forever. If you've been there, you know it. It was developed by Walt Disney himself. It's an animatronic ride in which you sit in a theater that spins around, and it goes through time, and it's narrated by this animatronic character, and the line's not very long, which should have told me something, and it's just not very good, but it's air-conditioned. So he went in and just, oh, the air, so good. The attraction starts, and the person sitting right in front of me, from the moment it started, she lifts up her phone, and she's filming the whole thing right in my my view, right in my line of sight. So annoying. Not, Not even like this, like this. 
Now, I'm not a confrontational person. But if I were, what I would say was, excuse me, ma'am. It's not that good the first time. So you're probably not going to go back later and watch it on your phone. But even beyond that, you're missing this cheesy experience for what it is. You're looking at it through your phone. Oh, and later that evening, we went to the fireworks. Disney does a great job at fireworks. They project video on the castle. It is an experience. It really is quite stunning. But again, I look out and thousands of people with their phone. And every cell in my body wanted to scream, you're missing the actual experience because you're looking at it through a screen instead of just putting everything down and experiencing it for what it is. Because if you go back and watch it on your phone, it's not going to be the same thing. Oh, have we lost our ability to notice and experience life as it's happening? Because when you experience life as it's happening, what you discover is God is always at work and God is always speaking. You know who's really good at noticing? You know who's really good at experiencing the moment? Children. Maybe that's why God in this story chooses to speak to a child rather than the aged priest. The scripture says that his vision had gone dim, but I wonder if it wasn't just his physical vision that had gone grim. Had his spiritual vision gone dim because he had lost the capacity to notice? The poet Elizabeth Barrett Brown once wrote that earth is crammed with heaven. Every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. Takes off his shoes and notices the sacredness of the moment. Relationships grow in proximity and presence, but relationships also deepen in conversation. How often have I prayed and my prayer sounds more like a speech than a conversation? You ever have that person in your life that When you spend time with them, what you know is they're going to do all the talking and you're going to do all the listening. I've got a friend like that. Love him to death. But I know that when we have coffee or breakfast, I'm going to go and I'm going to hear him spend an hour talking about him. That's just how it goes. Oh, I might get a word in, but it doesn't last very long. And next thing you know, it's just the hours. I'm like, great. I know you don't care about my life, but good. I'm glad that. I wonder, as we're, Longing for the voice of God. Have we stopped talking long enough for him to respond? Relationships deepen in conversation and relationships integrate the giving and the receiving, the giving and taking. Oh, I like, I like the taking part. But the giving part, the giving of my, myself to God in relationship, the honoring of God in relationship, because I know, I know I was designed. You were designed to recognize God's voice. It's in your creation. When we come back to the story, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2, one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak, he could barely see. I believe it's both physical and spiritual. He was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down. 
in the house of God, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Man, imagine the scene. It's dark. It's the middle of the night. This 12-year-old boy is sleeping, and he hears a voice. If I heard a voice when I was a kid in the dark, I'd go run into my mama. (laughs) That's kind of what happens, because when you live in a way that you were not designed for, there's this, this static from truly hearing who's speaking. We go to verse 5. So Samuel says, here I am, and he runs to Eli. He says, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lie down. So he went and lied down, and again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So a third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went down and lay in his place. Now, what you've got to understand is that you can be religious, and not recognize God's voice. I mean, Samuel lived in the temple. His full-time job was ministry, and he did not recognize the voice of God. Dallas Willard writes in his book, Hearing God, if you say God has not spoken to me, we might ask the question, why should God speak to me? What am I doing in life that would make speaking to me a reasonable thing for him to do? Oh, see, hearing God is the result of living in relationship with him. It's the result of living in his will. Willard goes on to write, Are we in business together in life, or am I in business with myself, trying to use a little God to advance my projects? What are we living for? We must face it clearly. So how then do we respond when we ask God to speak and he speaks, but we do not like what he has to say? Well, of course that wasn't God. Because he didn't do what I wanted him to do. Oh, how often do I say my prayers were answered if they were answered in the way that I want, but if they weren't, why isn't God answering me? I want to turn to Jesus for a moment because Jesus speaks about recognizing his voice. John chapter 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So, so Jesus uses this metaphor of, 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 of a shepherd and shepherding and sheep. And he says that the sheep, my sheep, know my tone. They know the inflection of my voice. They know what I sound like. I've got this, I've got this golden doodle. His name is Arlo. And when I walk into the house and I speak his name, before he even sees me, he comes running with his tail wagging excited because he knows my voice without even seeing my face. But if you were to walk into my house and say his name, oh, you would get a different reception. He's got a fairly deep and scary bark and he doesn't like it when strangers come to our property. Just ask the Amazon guy. (laughs) I took him to the vet yesterday because he has an ear infection And I got him out of the car and had him on a leash. And when the vet technician tried to take him, he just wouldn't go. She's pulling him. He barked at her. He just wouldn't go. So finally, I walked up next to him. I said, come on, buddy. And I just walked. And he followed me right in because he knows my voice. I want us to come to the place where we can cultivate space for listening to the voice of God. I mean, the story of Samuel makes it rather simple. We come to verse 10. The Lord came and stood, calling as other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Listening for the voice of God is the task of a lifetime, but it always begins with the practice of silence. Quieting ourselves long enough to give God room to speak. Thomas Keating writes that silence is God's first language. Everything else is a poor translation. In order to hear that language, we must learn to be still and rest in God. When I become still, when I become quiet enough, when I develop the ability to pay attention and notice, I start to hear God speaking and recognize him in my life circumstances. I start to recognize God's voice in those inner impressions. I start to recognize God's voice as he speaks loudly through the scriptures. And I even recognize God's voice in creation because all of creation declares the glory of God. And as I drove into Northbrook this morning, oh, I heard the voice of God. Now, I will pause for just a moment. Because when someone says to me, Mike, God told me, I always get a little nervous. Because sometimes that phrase is misused, it's used to abuse. Oh, it's used in all kinds of bizarre ways. And yes, I know today's sermon is about hearing God's voice. 
Oh, would we treat it with the sacred respect that it deserves? Because the phrase God told me, oh, that becomes the ultimate spiritual trump card. Because how do you argue with someone who said God told me? When God speaks, it's a sacred, sacred moment. So as you wake up tomorrow, as you take some time, what would it look like to create the space for God to speak? Maybe you say, Mike, I just need to understand more. I, as I prepared this sermon, I, I read a great book by one of my favorite authors, Dallas Willard, called Hearing God. Um, it's a great read. Matter of fact, this fall, we're offering a life group based on this book. It'd be a great opportunity for you to go and learn more. But maybe tomorrow morning, maybe tomorrow morning is as simple as spending the first five minutes of your day in quiet. The only words coming out of our mouth is speak. Speak, God, for your servant is listening. Or maybe it would make sense to spend some time with somebody who is really good at noticing what God is doing in the world. Or maybe today, after church, go take a walk in the woods and let all of creation declare the wonder and glory of God. As we end this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I want us to pray a prayer together. It's a a listening prayer. It's on the screen. I'm going to read the first part. If you would just read the bold with me, and I'm going to pause in between each statement. So in the next moments, will you just let God to, let God speak? As we turn aside from all else, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. As we declare our faith, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. As we acknowledge our needs, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. As we search for wisdom, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. As we listen for your call, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. As we lift up our hearts, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. 